You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. So it's uh, Monday at 2 o'clock, so this is a little bit different, a little bit crazy. Uh, Brendan Chagru, the assistant editor of Bears Wire, should be joining us a little bit later. Um, but I am I'm not flying solo. I've got the newest co-host with me, and I am so excited to bring this guy on, bring him in here on the stage. It's Cam Ellis. Cam, I can't say welcome to the show because you're now part of the show, but welcome to the crew. Hey, man, it works for me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I was a little, <laughs> I was a little nervous coming into this because I was like, when you're a guest, you can just say whatever you want, and the hosts are just like, <laughs> yeah, okay, good point, like... Good idea. But like being on like uh, being part of the crew, like I feel like I'm going to my dumb ideas are going to be like called out a little more fervently than they were when I was just the host. Hardly, 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 hardly. So, Cam, I mean, you know, we've said it before. Um, Every time you came on the show, we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. And we always just were like, damn, Cam makes really great points while simultaneously being sarcastic and amazing and funny. And so no pressure. But but that's kind of why you're here. So (laughs) so so Uh, welcome. uh Okay. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I am I am happy to just give some B point points with a little snark on the end and hopefully that will uh cover up for any lack of real football knowledge that I do or don't have. So so Cam, let me ask this, dude. Uh I know you've been NBC Sports Chicago, you're working for an ABC affiliate in Denver. Fill our listeners into where are you at right now, aside from being one of our co-hosts. Uh what what's going on with life? What what, what are you doing? So I am a NFL staff writer for fanside.com. Um, there I just literally write about any single thing that has happened in the NFL. I didn't give a moment. Like today it was, you know, earlier it was players on the Rams who might not, might not be back. And then after that it was Stephen A. Smith crushing the Cowboys. So it, it sort of runs the gamut of NFL uh, content. Um, but it's, it's awesome to be – you know, I was sitting there watching the games last yesterday and like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm on the clock right now. Like one, I should do some work. And two, <laughs> like it, it's, it's nice to, it's a really privileged experience to be able to get paid to watch football games on Sunday from your couch and just write 500 words about it at a time and be the same as our job. So it is, um, it's a really cool experience. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I, I missed writing about football when I wasn't doing it. And so I'm, 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 I'm stoked to be, to use a Denver word here. I'm stoked to be doing it again. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I am so far, I'm one for three picking playoff teams to, to, to win. Um, what have have you, what have you thought so far? Maybe something that stood out to you, something that surprised you, any thoughts on the playoffs thus far? Um, you know, I really thought that the lions were going to lose. 
Um, like I, I just, for whatever reason, five years in Chicago sort of conditioned me to assume that the Lions were going to lose that game. It just, it felt very, um, it felt like it was like written in, in stone. Like it was like, of course the Lions are going to lose like a home playoff game against Matt Stafford. Like that is just, that's that's the Detroit Lions heartbreak in a, in a T. So um, it was cool to see them win. Like I, I I don't care about the Bears enough to not root for the NFC North. Otherwise, like I, like it seems the Lions seem to be more fun than rooting for the Rams if you're just an objective watcher. Um, so and I thought that was cool. Um, I was ready to bet the mortgage on the Chiefs, um, and which made total sense. I think everyone on the planet was also exactly there with me. So that 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 was no surprise to me. I don't know. What about you? I, I thought like, I didn't, I was not that interested this week. It, I mean, like I watched the games, but like it was, it was kind of like, a, Oh yeah, this is in the background while I do all the dishes that I haven't done in two days. Uh, Houston, the putting the beat down on the Browns did yeah. not surprise me considering how good the Browns defense has been. And then the other one was, I knew that the Dallas Cowboys were going to choke. Like, I think everybody knew at some point they were going to choke. It's like, you know, it's one of those things that I, I never think of Dak Prescott as being a real MVP candidate because he plays for the choke artists, right? And, and as soon as they get close to, to contention, it's, it's not going to happen. But I did not expect the, the beat down there either, right? Green Bay just right. looked firing on all cylinders. And, you know, much to this dismay of, of Bears fans is another good quarterback in, in, in Green Bay. Yeah, no, I I feel for Bears fans this weekend because somehow it like the Bears fans will always find a reason to make the moment in time about them, but like this weekend really, really kind of not was, but like I understood it a little more watching the Packers like all of a sudden look like maybe the best team in the NFC and the Lions all of a sudden look like a team that you know deserve to host a second home playoff game like the, the the like for the nfc north being kind of mad the rest of this whole year like i like i, I remember this entire year everyone being like oh like it's the nfc north so like it's crazy like the vikings played a 3-0 game and lost like it was not an interesting division this year and for <laughs> for, for them to be i think on Monday night too um for yeah. the nfc north to kind of show out and be like oh like I guess luckily Caleb Williams declared today, and that's that's the the good news that Bears fans can take away from the last fifty six hours or whatever. But yeah, I, so not so, looking great okay, if I was yeah. Bears fan here. Ian Rappaport just tweeting out a, a few minutes ago actually that Caleb Williams is declaring for the draft. A lot of people are thinking, why did he have to wait until the last possible second? Um, so so Cam, I, because it's been a while since we've talked, right? The Justin yeah. Fields keeping him and acquiring more draft capital. Um, versus the draft Caleb Williams and, you know, stick at one and nine. Where do you kind of sit on that, on that debate? My, it's uh, two thoughts. My first thought is, and I feel like this is going to be a little crazy. uh, So hold on with me. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I just do not know what they're going to do. And I feel like (laughs) maybe more people should just say, I don't know what they're going to do because I don't think anyone knows what they're going to do. And I don't think there are tea leaves to be read. I don't think, I don't think there's a direction that you can be inferred. I I think if the bears know what they're doing yet, they are doing an excellent job of not telling anyone because I I don't think there's anything out there that says we know what we're going to do. I know that the great four QB gate from last week, um, which was peak bears, Twitter. um, It was, it was was peak bears, Twitter just being like, here's this one very 
I guess kind of Freudian slip, but not really. And then everyone's like, oh boy, like there's Russell Wilson back in the picture. Like, um, so first and foremost, I should say, I do not know. I have no idea. Um, nothing would surprise me at this point. So don't take my word for anything. I just think when you look at, if you just took a yellow legal pad and pro-conned everything, the pros for taking a quarterback in the draft or light or it's a longer list than the cons. Um, and I think, I don't even know if I would make that decision if I was in charge. Like I am sort of of the camp that Justin Fields is good enough. Um, but I just, I don't think you can turn down generational prospects with a, a quarterback trade that still is going to net you a fair amount of value. Like, you know, they're not, they're not selling fields for 10 cents on the dollar or whatever. It's obviously not going to be last year's overall trade, but just, I mean, I thought, I thought I saw a report that said like it's second round picks right now and players in theory. So like, that's a pretty good deal for a guy that has put enough on tape to question whether he is going to be a good NFL quarterback or not. So I think you just have to look at it and go, gosh, Justin Fields meant a lot to Chicago when he was here. And I don't think he is going to be looked poorly upon by any means. But like, how many times have you heard people say, this is a business, this is a business, like it's yeah. not personal, this is a business. And it sucks because Chicago has not had a fun quarterback in the history of the city. Um, and so they finally got one and it was cool and it was fun. But I can't help but think about how many times I've heard people say, this is a business. And, and I think when you're a business, you have to make the move that makes the most sense in terms of objectively the parameters around it and the details. And I, I, I think when you trade fields for what you're going to get and you take a QB with the talent level that May or Williams has, I don't know how you turn that down. And it stinks, but I just, I don't know how you turn that down. No, I, I agree with you. I think it stinks. I think uh, Justin Fields has done everything right except play the quarterback at a position or yeah, at a right. in a way that 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 leaves you with absolutely no doubt in your mind in any way, shape, or form. Like even the 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 Justin Field truthers, I think will have to admit he holds the ball too long. He doesn't always yeah. have the right reads, though. Though the flip side is Getzy did not put him in the right situation, did not have enough weapons around him. But then we talk contract, Cam. I think that's that's something that you, you're you're kind of hitting on that I'm really thinking about too is you bring Caleb Williams and you restart that contract though the flip side of that though is if you do trade down and acquire more draft capital you know now you're looking at your number one slash number two receiver probably you know Marvin Harrison Jr. whoever it might be right uh, yeah. on, on, a, on a rookie deal uh, maybe a, a left tackle on a rookie deal right so you do I think there is a financial benefit to either direction. But I think your your first point, which is spot on, we don't know. None of us knows. Yeah. Anyone that says that yeah. they know, like they're, they're just, they're not, they're not being truthful in that whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think I, I, I agree with the idea that if you're going to, if you're not quite as far along on the rebuild as maybe, you know, maybe they weren't the worst team and one of the worst teams ever last year, as much as they maybe weren't a really 500 team this year like records i know the expression is you are what your record says you are but like that's sort of true but kind of not like there's yeah. there's plenty of information in today's day and age that you can use to dispute that i mean look at the vikings last year right like they they were with their second but they won every single one score game and they were very clearly not what their record says they were so um i i think maybe the bears 
in both these last two years haven't quite been the team that if you looked in a box score in your local paper that they that said they were um and so it's it, my point being that i i don't know how i don't know if resetting the rookie clock on important positions is the end all be all that like four three or four years ago everyone was like reset the rookie clock that's the key yep. and the nfl sort of has this very cyclical way of conversation and discourse where you know i bet running backs do matter in four years again you know like i i already saw people on twitter talking about how like oh maybe people should sit their quarterbacks for two or three years because of jordan love playing well like it all sort of comes back around and so i think there was a moment in time when all that mattered was you know getting rookie quarterbacks on good deals to play well because then they turned into the russell wilson's of the world that weren't playing that well for a gazillion dollars um, and I think maybe we're sort of starting to see the reversion to, well, like maybe there's some value in seeing these guys like learn what it's like to play in the NFL. But I, I think, I think you can get stuck in the mindset of, oh, if you didn't play well in two years, reset the rookie clock. We, there's a lot that goes into resetting the rookie quarterback clock. Like, you know, not everyone has CJ Stroud. Like he, like other, other, really? other rookies are not that good. Right. And so if you are taking your most important position and going, oh, it's fine. We'll just have an inexperienced guy for two years because the finances work like that. That's a tough sell at a certain point, I think, especially for a team that is worth seven billion dollars and going to go throw up a new stadium wherever they want. Like it. I'm not sure how convincing of a sell that is for me personally. But yeah, you, you, I think you're going to have to pay Justin Fields eventually. And if he hasn't shown that, then you let someone else pay for him and you, you buy yourself a little time. But at a, at a certain point, you, let's hold these teams that have money that doesn't matter. Like we don't need to stop making excuses for them not spending money. You know, like I, I am fine with them spending money on not a sure thing. If that's what they, the football people in the, in the room think is a smart decision at a certain point, because Otherwise, that money just goes into three people's pockets, and that doesn't do anything for me and my favorite <laughs> football team. So, like, I guess, long story short, like, pick a destination, right? Like, pick a pick a path and go for it. Um, I, I think b- bailing ship after two years just because that is the the Billy Bean, you know, trendy Twitter way of doing it is right. is not always as smart as it plays on Twitter. If that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. Well, here, really quick, I'm going to bring up Brendan Chagru to the podcast, folks. He is the assistant editor of Bears Wire. If you want to find Brendan on Twitter, it's at Brendan Chagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Now, Brendan, if you would hold off just for one second, I want to ask Cam one more question. We've just been talking a little bit uh, about the Justin Fields situation, Caleb Williams declaring for the draft, uh, as being reported by Ian Rappaport. Uh, So, Cam... We have had very contentious conversations about Matt Eberflus, and so I'm genuinely very curious. You know, you 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 you've had a chance to to really cover the Bears as well as mm-hmm. now looking at the entire NFL. Do you think he's the guy? No, I mean I don't. Um, I I think you obviously have to like people that are saying like he's the dumbest coach to ever walk through Hallis Hall doors like that. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> like I. I, you have to look at this season and go, oh, like they improved noticeably and maybe not enough for people's preferences. And that's fine. I, I, I don't think it's these questions, you know, sports questions always sort of end up being these very binary debates of yes or no. And the fact of the matter is it kind of really is never that easy of an answer. Um, you know, I think you look at the free agent classes uh, of 
head coaches, I guess, for lack of a better term, this year, and you can go, oh, well, that's uninspired that they kept Matty Ripley's. But also, like, it, how many years do every SEO-approved head coach in football become available, right? Like, this is – I don't know if you can really plan for all of this to, to sort of happen the way it did. And maybe you go, oh, NFL owners should know that, like, a month before the season, Bill Belichick's probably out. Or, like, NFL owners should – they have enough power to figure out that Jim Harbaugh is probably leaving. Like, there are ways to figure that out that I think the, the the normal NFL fan doesn't necessarily have, or even the normal NFL insider doesn't necessarily have. But I, I don't know if – I don't think it's fair to say, oh, well, like, Belichick and Harbaugh are well available, so, like, why do we keep Eberflus? Like, that, 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 that kind of is, to me, distilling the argument to a pointless – position um i don't think i think maddie Griffiths is uninspired i think the you know i've said this a thousand times i think the hit stuff is kind of tacky and dumb and dopey um but you can't argue with these players coming out here and talking about how he he is not this dope that everyone says he is and that he's a good guy and they've made progress so i, I think you'd be a dude doing a disservice to not listen to what the guys in the locker room are saying um because they're the ones that are like actively affected by the coaches i know bears fans want to say that they are but like the, the, the players are the ones actively like losing salary or losing positions or losing jobs based on this guy as a coach so uh, i think those are the guys you have to listen to first and foremost yeah you know if i was running a madden team and maddie blues was my coach i'd probably let him let him see the door um but i i don't i i don't think he's the disaster that that people thought he was 10 weeks ago i think there's i think there's something to be said about all of us learning about patience and time here. I don't know if it is a fully developed argument yet, but I do think there's something to be said about it. Absolutely. Brendan, uh, welcome to the show. It's good to see you, buddy. Um, so let's do this. I, I want to talk all four of the Bears offensive coordinator candidates that, that are that are out there, but I want to make sure, is there anything that you want to talk about before we, before we hop into that? Uh. Hey guys, <laughs> what's up, Cam? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Caleb Williams declaring is is the big thing. I don't know. I, it sounds like you guys talked about it a little bit. Uh, Williams also he put out like an Instagram and a Twitter post of everything, it just kind of like you know sharing his journey and all that. So it's not even like reported anymore. He's he's doing the thing. He's already training yeah. with um, Scangarello, uh, one of the quarterback coaches who's worked with a ton of guys throughout the league. Uh, during his career. So this thing's happening. And I got to say, it was really cool to have Caleb. He shared like a video that Kobe made for him. Um, yeah. Before every, you know, before he passed obviously, but um, no, things are, things are moving. Um, so that's exciting, but no, we can get into OC candidates, whatever you want to do. Sound thrilled. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, seriously. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm down to talk, whatever. All right. Before we do that, we have two people that we have to thank. The first one is our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. He's been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. Folks, he has been absolutely killing it. Doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner or investor, if you're looking to buy or sell or lease commercial or residential property, Jeff is your guy because Jeff is our guy. Give him a call or a text. Jeff Cadwallader with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or or visit GenevaJeff.com. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. Well, what about if you need a haircut and you happen to be in Chicagoland area? There's 
only, well, there's now two places you can get your haircut. That's Sheridan's or Hensel's. Sheridan's Barbershop is located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 69 years. They've got six barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They, can, they have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience, Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or 630-668-0137. You can also visit their Naperville location, uh, which is Hensel's Barbershop, and they've been there since 1966. They've got six barbers open Tuesday through Saturday. They are accepting walk-ins and appointments, Hensel'sBarber.com. And for either location, it is where traditional meets modern. All right, boys, is there one specific? I've got uh, information ready to roll on each. I've also got pictures for each of them, just in case our uh, visual people, the people hanging out with us on YouTube or Twitter want to see it. Is there one candidate that you want to talk about first? All right. No. <laughs> with that being said, let's talk that's Shane Waldron. Yeah, that's yeah. Exact, exactly how exciting it is. I'm excited to talk about Shane Waldron. So I'm um, just going to give a couple quick little things here. Brendan, I know you've done some, some more extensive work on him. So I'm very excited that you're here to kind of talk about it and get your thoughts. So currently, he well, he was the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator. But um, with Pete Carroll leaving, uh, he's 44 years old. He's worked with Washington. Um, he's also worked with the Rams. He was the Rams offensive coordinator from 2017 to 2020. Uh, he's been the... Seahawks offensive coordinator since uh, 2021 um and uh you know the the one thing that I'll say that uh you know it's it's a somewhat similar style to the Luke Getzey thing but coming from uh that uh McVay tree which I think has a lot of people excited about um I heard screens lots and lots of screens and that worried me a lot Brennan why shouldn't I be worried about uh Shane Waldron well, first of all, screens are screens are not a bad thing because every team runs them, especially with the personnel that if they have the personnel needed um, to do them correctly. It's just the situation that you call a screen in or if you call four of them in a row, which Luke Getzey has literally done. That's the issue there. So don't be afraid, but don't be afraid of screens. Um, I don't have my iPads up here. Damn it. Um, Jack's son made a comment. He's like, do the screens bit again. <laughs> I'm like, no. Um, but... <laughs> The thing that excites me most about Shane Waldron isn't necessarily his, I guess, style, which uh, you'll see a common theme for all of these candidates, really, maybe except Greg Olson because he's been everywhere. But a lot of these guys um, are from the Shanahan McVay tree. So um, the offense that they would run is kind of similar to what Luke Getzey would do or did. But with Shane Waldron, he's worked with a ton of different quarterbacks. And that means if the Bears were to hire him, I feel good about the versatility whether they choose somebody like Caleb Williams, Drake may stick with Justin Fields, or maybe just go with a wild card option. Because when he was with, when he was with the Rams, he was working as a quarterback's coach in 2018 for Jared Goff's best season up until now, probably kind of regressed a little bit in 2019 to 2020 when you became the passing game coordinator. Then he goes to Seattle in 2021, works with Russell Wilson, Wilson gets hurt, but still has a decent year. He threw for 25 touchdowns over 3,000 yards, very minimal interceptions too. So it wasn't like a disaster. Then he takes Geno Smith. They didn't know he was going to be the starter, turns him into a reclamation project. He has a career year as well. And so when you think about those different types of quarterbacks, Jared Goff, pocket passer, traditional guy, doesn't move around a lot. 
Russell Wilson, the complete opposite of that, very mobile quarterback, huge deep ball thrower. And then you got Geno Smith, which is who's kind of like a mix of both. He's more of a traditional pocket passer, but he's a little bit more mobile and can rush if needed. So that tells me that if the Bears were to get somebody like him, you're not going to pigeonhole yourself or at least maybe showcase what you're going to do with the number one overall pick. Because I think that Justin Fields could have success with Shane Waldron. I think that Caleb Williams can have success with Shane Waldron based on the fact that he can design offenses and work with quarterbacks of different skill sets. His play calling leaves a little bit to be desired, especially this past year. He had some really rough moments. Uh, The Thursday night game against Dallas was the big one where it was a shootout between the two teams and he called a play that had Micah Parsons completely unblocked, who just went right into Geno Smith's lunch. And uh, that ended up losing the game. So his situational play calling maybe took a dip this year. I mean, I think he's still better than what Luke Getze did, obviously. And just the fact, like I said, with what he can do with quarterbacks, that makes me most excited. You know, the one thing I'll say before I want to hear Cam, just any thoughts that you might have on him is Twitter is not the end all be all right. It, it's not, it's, it's and a lot of times it is a place for people simply to complain, but you look what? at Seattle Seahawks fans. Uh, they were saying almost the exact same thing about Shane Waldron, as we were saying about Luke Getze. And once he was fired, you know, some of the same memes are being shared and things like that. It makes me a little bit nervous, but, uh, but I definitely yeah. love, love where you're at. Cam, what, what about you? What are you thinking about this one? No, I, I think that actually you know, we, we all are, have our, Twitter snark, but I actually do think that's kind of a good, like a low key good point is that when it happened, like everyone on Twitter was just like, why? Like, what? Like the Seahawks fans are like, why are they interviewing him? Um, you know, I don't want to go off of one year because that's a dumb thing to do, but I'm going to go off of one year. Um, they're what? League rise offense, 17th in attempts, 14th in yards, 20th in touchdowns, 13th in interceptions, 11th in net yards per attempt. Like, that's fine. But that's what it is. That's fine. And and yeah, like you can have up years and down years. But like if someone objectively said, hey, the offensive coordinator of kind of a mid-level offense is the Bears' like, go-to guy, like would that – would you be doing backflips? I, I don't know if I necessarily would. Um, you know, I, it was interesting when I was – to Brendan's point, I, I, I think it – when I was doing the research for all this, like it was very obvious. Like, LA Rams was on every single one of them like a hundred times. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is what the bears are doing. Um, and so, and you know, there's 49ers on there. There's some Broncos on there. Like the bears are not being subtle about what they want. Like there there's, there's very clearly this idea. And I, I just hope like Brennan said that I think we're sort of seeing a little bit of a move away from, Oh, the system is what makes the success. Right, like the it, we'll just pl- go like Luke Etsy could not plug his system successfully into the Bears' offense and have it work. Matt Nagy, as we well know, his system wasn't this amazing thing that was adaptable by anyone, and anyone could do it. All you needed to do was just you know step in the right place and throw to the right spot, and you would be humming. Like that's not how that works. And so, you know, I think I always think back to Baltimore about how they just did not have an offense that made sense for so long, even with Lamar Jackson, and they kind of sputtered. And then John Harbaugh was like, well, I'm going to change because my best asset is this quarterback, and I am going to do what he does best. And so I just hope that the Bears don't go, oh, Sean McVay had a good offense. Like, he knows Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan was the son of Mike Shanahan. Like, that sounds good to me, so let's just do that. Like, I I hope whoever they bring in – 
like even you look at LaFleur now, I guess, you know, smarter people than me will say, hey, this is not really LaFleur's system. This is a kind of LaFleur doing what he kind of wants to do, but knowing that Jordan Love does this well or whatever it is. So I just hope the Bears go. We respect that this guy learned under this really sharp offensive mind. But if you come in here and just say, hey, we're going to put X player in X spot and it's going to work because that's how I drew it up. That doesn't seem to really work. That That's the thing. I think that he can be somebody like that, but there was a little bit of trepidation where we've seen a ton of offensive coordinators who have success in their first season or two. And then they start to tank because the team, you know, the opposing defenses start to figure you out. It reminds me a lot of Mark Trustman, just in the sense of that, like his, his offense was phenomenal and then everybody caught on and he couldn't adjust. I don't know if that's the case for Shane Waldron. His, you know, Seahawks did have a ton of injuries this year too. You have to take that into account. Um, you know, but in some of the stats, it's, I know, Kim, you rattled a ton off. They're very hit or miss because, you know, he was top like 12 or 10 in DVOA for many of those years, but then his scoring offense were shit. They were behind the Bears in scoring offense this year. So if you just looked at that stat, you know, alone, you would say, well, that's not really an upgrade. Um, but you also have to remember with Matt Eberflus staying and sort of the the crop of offensive coordinators out there, I think we talked about this last week, you're not going to get the top of the top guys. You're just not. <laughs> yeah. You want to get an upgrade. This this is the bed you made. You kept yeah. the coach. You fired the entire offensive staff minus two guys basically. And now you're saying, okay, we need another guy here to get the most out of either Caleb Williams or Justin Fields or whoever. But knowing that the pressure is on the head coach and this team needs to make even more progress than they did this next year. I, you're, you're going to be limited. Uh, so you kind of have to take what you can get. Unfortunately. Do you think that like, what, what do you think is the stronger? Uh, what's the, what do you think is the stronger force in these interviews? The fact that you are going to go get first overall pick and sort of a clean slate. And from what it sounds like, probably have more say than other OCs or you go, Hey, look, like these guys are attached to Eberflus. I'm not sold on Eberflus. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go sit on the, on the sinking ship for the last two seasons of this. Like uh, I'm cute. Cause there, there are a lot of extra good perks of this job that wouldn't normally exist. Right. Like there, there, this is just a, another OC job somewhere, you know, where there's a quarterback who's like, there are opportunities here that don't always exist, but the structure around the Bears isn't the vibes aren't good, I guess, for lack of a better term. Around like the like the the, the three the thirty thousand foot structure of how the team is run, wh- where it looks like power is flowing to and from. So I'm curious if overall the job has enough perks to sort of move past the structural issues that are going to continue on regardless of who is OC, or if the smart OCs are going no, like I'm going to go to Atlanta for a year and then I'll get a new job from there or whatever it is, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think part of it does because, yes, the number one overall pick and assuming it is Caleb Williams is a huge, huge draw. Like not only to get a rookie quarterback, but somebody with that skill set, I could definitely see people coming in and saying, yeah, I could I could work with that. Like, I I think we could definitely have success buy myself some more time. And hey, even if if the offense does well, but things kind of crater, it still shows that I'm able to work and develop these young offensive quarterbacks and maybe to a, to a lesser extent, I don't think this is going to be the case, but even if the bears choose to move off of the number one overall pick 
you still have a chance to work with a you know special talent in Justin Fields who hasn't put it all together. And then I I think that's a great point. You do have a little bit more say potentially in what the Bears do with that number one overall pick because as a defensive guy, how much influence is Matt Eberflus going to have? I mean, I know obviously he should, but yeah. you also want the guy who's running the offense to have influence as well because ultimately you're going to be the one coaching and developing him. So it, it is – you're right, and I know Ryan Poles talked about that. Like there is a lure to this job. It just may not be as much as maybe some of these other places. And the, the last thing I'll say is timing might be on the Bears' side as well with some of these guys because – a lot of these coaching vacancies are still out there for head coaches like Atlanta, like I guess New England's filled, but um, tons of places are still doing interviews for their head coaching job. You could get this Bears job now and kind of like not miss out on anything instead of waiting. So there's that. Well, one thing that I want to say too is it, it's the the NFL coaching job is far more transient right? Like, yes, you might get fired, but you're also like looking at a job opportunity, right? An offensive coordinator where some of these guys like, so maybe Shane Waldron doesn't get this gig. Maybe he becomes then a quarterback's coach somewhere else, right? Like this is an opportunity right, for him to, to showcase himself in some way. And, and Brendan, I, I love what you said. The, the idea is, well, what if he really wants to work with Justin Fields, right? And say, hey, well, I'm going to work with Justin Fields. Maybe it's, but it's also you have the opportunity to work with Caleb Williams. I mean, I think in this position, right, you're right. You're not going to get the cream of the crop, but for these four guys that we're looking at, I think that this is a fairly attractive position, right? To either be the guy that that fixes Justin Fields or works with a quote unquote generational talent. And I mean, if I'm them, I'm excited. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think that this would be the, 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 the best position for any offensive coordinator to be in, but, but also simultaneously, like it is an opportunity when there are only 32 positions available in the NFL. This is one of those spots. Yeah. I, I wonder how much say any incoming OC will have about what they do at quarterback. Like I, and this is not to like throw shade it just doesn't seem like at the end, like every time we hear higher ups of the Bears talk, you sort of get the sense that the same three people are making important decisions there. And, and you know, I, you know, um, Courtney Cronin's article about, you know, Kevin Warren and, and McCaskey and, and polls and that sort of dynamic was an interesting look at how these things are made. And, you know, they say Kevin Warren doesn't really have any football input and then he sort of comes out and talks about how he does give football like so there, there there's and you know this has existed before ryan poles and kevin warren were here in that there were people saying we're not making football decisions that i think we're very clearly making football decisions for better and for worse um and so i do wonder i do wonder if the bears don't view the oc position as someone with enough authority to make that sort of level decision in terms of court franchise quarterback and they go hey you're going to get Justin Fields, who has plenty of potential, or you're going to get the first overall pick, who is a you know decade, once in a decade generational prospect. Like, be happy with either one of them, but you don't really get to say who's who. Like, I, and so that's what, and that's the one thing I wonder is that if OCs are being told whether or not, hey, you're just going to get the guy you get, and like, like let's see how you do with that. Well, no, I, I think they're going to have. So I don't think they're going to be the deciding factor. Obviously, they they right. shouldn't be. But I mean, 
and, and we can equate this to like every day you sit in job interviews. You're maybe not the hiring manager, but like you, you might sit in with people, have your preference, mm-hmm. get to talk with them and then say, you know what? I really like this person. And here's why I maybe didn't like this person as much. All of that feedback is still warranted. So, I mean, like whoever the OC is going to be, they're going to be in those conversations. They're just not going to be the deciding factor. And that's going to come down to Ryan polls. I like, he's the one making the decision. He's the one scouting these guys. Um, so yeah, the, uh, just to put any like misconception out there, the OC is not picking the quarterback. The OC <laughs> right. will have yeah. say though. <laughs> oh, I, I do think it's interesting though, to bring up the, the cliff Stein firing, the guy had been with the bears for 22 years. Um, and so it seemingly to me seems that Kevin Warren is essentially putting his stamp on this organization to say, Hey, we need new leadership in some capacity. Did you guys read anything else into that? I mean, so just really quick, senior vice president and general counsel was his official position. Uh, Greg Gabriel is very upset. I saw, I saw one very specific thing about what he, what people thought about the cliff sign firing and that was it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, definitively or not but it's like you know greg gabriel talks about having sources in hallis hall kind of seems like that was his you know source and he did call him a friend and everything um i I thought it was interesting because cliff stein he he was the kind of cap guru for many many years throughout the jerry angelo years and phil emery years then when ryan pace took over he kind of like got put in a different position where joey lane came in to structure all the contracts kind of funny how you get all those void years and you know kicking the can down the road when joey lane takes over but you know whatever totally coincidence right but then when ryan poles takes over last year or two years ago i guess at this point cliff stein comes back into that role to kind of organize the cap structure and now i i don't really know why kevin warren's making a change there it just granted you know nothing's really gone well with the bears in the last 25 years anyway so I guess anything's on the table, but it just seemed like Cliff Stein was really good at his job. Um, But yeah, that, that was kind of the biggest thing is like he was, he seemingly was like a lifer for that team and uh, nobody took it harder than our dear friend, Greg Gabriel. Yeah. I think people forget sometimes that because, because there's like the vacuum of the NFL, but like this, the house hall is a normal corporate office building. Like there, it is very much like you walk through it and it, it very much feels like a, you know, a, a, a Salesforce or a Deloitte or whatever. Like there are, there are reasons why people leave football teams that have nothing to do with, you know, necessarily have to do with, you know, quarterbacks or caps or draft picks or whatever. Like there just may be some good old fashioned unhappiness in how something is going about. So whether it's communication or schedule or whatever it might be like, there's, I think people always think there's a football reason. And sometimes I think, we all forget that these are just normal workplaces outside of Sundays where they play football. And like, it could have been just talked up to that. It could be very much be a football thing, but it doesn't necessarily always have to be. And I think sometimes it seems like Kevin Warren is building out that organization that way. And just knowing that you're not going to black Monday, everyone and have bringing, you know, hockey, hockey shift style changes. Like you, you have to sort of tread carefully with some of these people that have been in the organization for 20 years who may not really be in Kevin Warren's tenure plan. Let's hit the next coach. I think I want to stick with the with the Seahawks organization, Greg Olson. So just throwing him up here for all of you folks that are watching with us. Uh, probably not the best picture of Greg. 
but it, it is what it is. Greg Olson, 60 years old. He has, uh, he's been around the league. We'll just say that he's been with, uh, I want to say it's seven different NFL teams at one point, uh, worked with the Rams in 2022, uh, has been the, like I said, Seahawks quarterback coach. Um, he was the Chicago bears quarterback coach in 2003, working very famously with Rex Grossman. Um, he's got extensive work with quarterbacks uh, in just about every organization, it seems like, um, but has also worked with a lot of bad quarterbacks, just noticeably Rex Grossman, Josh Freeman, to name a few. Um, this one would not excite me very much, except for the fact that this guy has worked with every style of quarterback, every style of offense, that part of it, Brendan, where are you at on this one? I honestly don't know. I'm very, it's it, like Greg Olson's like resume is, is just insane with, and, and it's credit to him because he's, he's worked so long in this league. He, you know, obviously is well-respected enough to continue to get these sort of jobs. He's worked, you know, whether as a quarterback's coach, as a senior assistant, offensive coordinator. I mean, there, there's a little bit, there's good and bad. I mean, he got the most out of Blake Bortles in 2015 and 16 when he was with the Jaguars. That's good. He was John Gruden's offensive coordinator from 18 to 21. That's not so good. Um, Detroit Lions in the mid-2000s, not great, especially I think that was like right before Kitna kind of blew up too. I can't remember if he was the offensive coordinator there. Um I, yeah, I don't really, I, I don't really know. Um, I, I just he's he's been everywhere. I feel like he's, he's had like some success, but he's also, this would be just like the most middling middle bears hire of all time. I feel like I, I wouldn't be like absolutely floored by like, I wouldn't be mad by it. I wouldn't like say like, this is the worst hire ever, but I'd be like, this feels like a very bearsy thing to do. Just get somebody who's been around the league forever to have them run the deep or run the offense. Cam, what about you? Yeah. It screams John DeFilippo to me. Like that—that that is what okay. I um, like. Just a guy who is, you know, he's over—he's getting to fifty, if not over fifty, or around it. Who's just sort of been a QB coach his entire career. And there's, like Brendan said, like there's nothing wrong with that, so to speak. But yeah, it's just like this—I don't know. Like if if there's this much apathy, is it really that good of a hire? And maybe that's a stupid question, but like I it. It just seems like the Bears can be a little more aspirational, I guess. Like that, if if you are trying to sell a a, a jaded fan base on this being how you break out of the cycle, right? Like you're we're breaking out of this 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 terrible cycle, and we are we're re-energizing our fan group, our fan base, and we're trying things differently. And we're, and we're committing to this exciting team we have that's shown progress and we're making the right steps. Like, I, I just don't know if this is the hire you make. I, I'm sure it'd be fine because the guy is, you know, if you're not good enough to coach in the NFL, you don't stick around for very long, more often than not. Sometimes you do, um, and sometimes you go work at box, but more often than not, you're, you find yourself, you know, the, the league chews people out pretty quick. And, and so I, I think that, there's there's room to say that it's not exciting even if he is a qualified candidate, which he is by you know by all accounts a qualified candidate. But don't you just want to try something with a little more energy or excitement? Yes. And none of these are really 
terrific. Like we were talking about being a hiring manager. Like I would not be a good football hiring manager because I'm just talking about like how the fans will be energized by it. And that <laughs> is not really at the end of the day, a great reason to make a decision. Um, but it just, it just, when it feels like this, you just can't sort of avoid it feeling like this. And it just, it, even in a group of sort of like we were talking about earlier, the bears are probably only getting B rated candidates for the most part because of all the other stuff that's happening around them. This is the least exciting of a B rate candidate. And I think Agreed. if you are, if you're settling for the least exciting B rate candidate, you could probably try something different. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of, like just like a, a, a different coordinator or coach who's just bounced. Not even like looks. I, I, yeah. He's staring into my soul. Um, <laughs> but like, like somebody like Greg Williams, who's just been yeah. everywhere, who just kind of hangs around for a little bit, has a little bit of success, also has his style of football that isn't for everyone. And then just kind of get kicked around and go somewhere else. It's very, yeah. yeah. Cam said these were, we're shooting or the expectation is we get these B level uh, coordinators. This is a firmly C level hire if they were to do it. It would be a very bears thing to do. Let's move on boys. I, I do want to talk about Clint Kubiak. Um, I, I, you know, of the four, this guy excites me the most. Um, and I'll tell you guys why just a little bit, just, uh, just quick logistical stuff. So currently he is the 49 49ers passing game coordinator slash specialist. Uh, he was the, uh, Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator in 2021. He's 36 years old. He is the son of Gary Kubiak. Uh, he worked for Denver under Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, so there's that. But he has called <laughs> plays for both the Vikings and the Broncos. I think the thing that, that, I, that I'm most interested about him is working with a guy, an experienced veteran like Kirk Cousins, who Kirk had a pretty good year. Um, and then also, especially working with Brock Purdy, who for a little bit of time, right, you know, was talked about as an MVP candidate, um, you know, obviously not calling all of those plays. I mean, it's, it's, it's under Shanahan, but getting a chance to work with a very young quarterback an experienced quarterback, and then the opposite and both of them having good years. I think I'm not overly excited, but this is the most excited of the four. Brennan, where are you at? So for ranking them, I have them just under Waldron, just because I think there's a little bit like, you know, variance with he's had some decent highs or, you know, things that have gone well and then just some terrible stops as well, but he's still young. Um, the Vikings offense in 2021, I was trying to remember and kind of look back at it. The offense wasn't bad. They were kind of in that, like, you know, I think it was like 12th to 14th range. They also were loaded with playmakers. That was Justin Jefferson's second season. Kirk cousins went off. Dalvin cook was still running pretty efficiently. Adam Thielen was catching a ton of touchdowns. So he was able to make that work. He was just with a bad uh, quarterbacks, well, a bad coach, I guess, with Mike Zimmer because he was on his way out and they didn't meet expectations. The Broncos stench is tough. And it, it does, it's tough to say like how much of it, the offense itself was just overall bad, but how much was that Hackett? How much was that uh, Clint Kubiak? It, it seems like a mix. So the fact he was able to rebound with the 49ers, granted, who wouldn't because the 49ers are just like that perfect team right now. So, I'm really interested in kind of like looking at that 2021 Vikings um, seasons a little bit more because of the fact he was calling plays and, you know, it it was a little bit different with being a lame duck head coach with Mike Zimmer. Um, Yeah. Just, I I think he gets a little bit more um, love because of his name, 
you know, being a Kubiak definitely helps. Um, but I think he's still somebody who's on the rise and on the up and up. And I think he's going to do a better job in his next stop as an offensive coordinator. So definitely wouldn't be mad about it. But I think Waldron is a bit higher up with just, you know, the amount of success he's had as an offensive coordinator. Um, and he's had a little bit fewer lows, I guess, than Kubiak. Cam? Yeah, I, um, you know, nepotism hires always kind of make my skin crawl. Um, and I know that's <laughs> how it goes in the NFL, but I, 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 I can't get around it. It's a pet peeve of mine and everyone else on the planet. Um, so in that sense, it sort of rubs me the wrong way. But, you know, like Brennan said, there's, there's plenty there. Um, you know, I, I think to speak very broadly, I am a little more on board with the safety net of a Shanahan system in a, in a rookie QB versus even a McVay. Like I know they sort of come from the same tree at the end of the day, but I think Shanahan's historically ha- is way more comfortable with quarterbacks than even McVay's is now. Like McVay's has become a little more diluted, not diluted, but has changed enough to a point where I don't think anyone would say, oh, this is a traditional Shanahan system anymore versus there's still – you know, when your last name is Shanahan, you're still going to run like the, the tried and true family and the rules there. So in that sense, I think there would be a little more of a safety net for for bad quarterback play if someone coming from San Francisco more so than L.A. Uh, now, how, how much that is is probably marginal. Like that would probably split in the hairs here. But, we, you know, when we're talking about B-list offensive coordinator candidates, I feel like you sort of have to just split hairs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be fine. I, I think that it makes anyone coming out of San Francisco's offense. I trust a little more in this exact moment in time than I do Seattle's offense. Um, but you know, I don't do, is it, can you look here and say, Oh, Kubiak, there's a, there's a specific reason why Kubiak is going to be better than Waldron or Olsen or whatever. No, like you can't, you don't, no one really knows. It's, it's a preference thing. And my personal preference is the closer you can get to Shanahan, the better right now for where the bears are specifically. But, like, you know, if in two years Walden is just lighting up with the Bears, it's not going to be like, thank God they didn't get Kubiak. Like, but that would have been a disaster because I, I, I don't think it makes that much, much of a difference ultimately. But I'll take it. Like, it, it, it could be John Filippo, like we said. So, like, at least it's not that. God, I just remember, like, that 2018 coaching cycle. I'm sure – I think you were – that might have been – I don't know if you were covering the beat then, Cam, but like just how everyone was fawning over DeFilippo and like, no, it's not oh, Frank yeah. Reich. DeFilippo is like the guy. He's got to be it. And then he just flamed out so hard. Um, I've never seen anyone with less charisma in my life. Like he is <laughs> truly just a walking book of football sentences that don't make sense next to each other. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um so the good news is like with Kubiak working with Purdy this year, Purdy actually did take a big step. Like, you know, yeah. people can say that, Oh, he's a system quarterback. Like anybody can do well in the Shanahan system, but like Purdy went on such a heater at the end of last season that the expectations were so high that, okay, well you have to match that because we're now turning our off our offense over to Mr. Relevance for a full season. Like that was still kind of, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought that was like a little bit of a risk too, because of the fact that I'm like, can you really judge him off like eight games basically? But he played even better. I know he had that stinker against the Ravens and I think the Vikings game was kind of rough, but like he was balling. And I think that like, 
you know, him working directly with him and helping him, you know, play the quarterback position even better this year, that's a huge feather in his cap. So it just shows that you can work with not only, you know, different types of quarterbacks as well, but like young quarterbacks and quarterbacks who continue to need development. And so that is a good um, indicator of whether it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. They're still young quarterbacks who need to be developed to get the most talent um, out of them. The one uh, last thing that I want to say about him is I don't have the exact numbers, but what I read and what I saw was when Nathaniel Hackett was relieved essentially of calling play calling duties in Denver and, uh, and, and Kubiak took back over that they did see an uptick in, in offensive uh, production. Now I do know that that tends to happen just in about in every situation, right? You fire an offensive coordinator, somebody new coming in is, you know, just look at what happened in Buffalo, right. With Sean Dorsey leaving, right. Um, Ken Dorsey, excuse me, Ken Dorsey leaving, right. Like that immediately Buffalo's offense just kind of comes to light. But I do think, I, you know, I, I think that there is something about this guy that, that has me again of the four meh candidates has me the most excited. Anything else, boys? Otherwise, it's time to go to the last guy. Nope. All right. So this one, if if I'm ranking four, so for me, it's Kubiak, it's Waldron, and then it's this guy, Liam Cohen, uh, and then Greg Olson is the last. So Liam Cohen is the University of Kentucky offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's 38 years old. He was the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams in 2022. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought it was interesting. He's a former roommate of one-time uh, Bears wide receiver Victor Cruz. So just just there you go. Maybe you talk about a game. I don't know. <laughs> He looks Bears like son. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so he did two stints with the Rams. Uh, so he's under the McVay tree. Uh, he didn't call plays, which has me a little bit nervous, though he did call them for uh, for the University of Kentucky. Um, they were averaging about 28 points per game. Not really amazing, but he's worked with Goff. He's worked with Russ Wilson, Geno Smith. Um, all of them seem to have fairly good years. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Wait, I'm sorry. That last one, I, I was wrong about that. I was reading stuff off of, uh, off of Shane Waldron. I apologize for that. So he's worked with McVeigh. Um, doesn't really inspire much in me. Brendan, Cam, what do you guys think? The biggest thing that Cohen has going for him is that he was the one to get the most out of Will Levis going into the, uh, Go, well, his first season in Kentucky. So um, 2021, Cohen was with Kentucky. That was Levis's first year when he transferred. He he had a great season that kind of put him on the map. Then he goes back to the Rams as their offensive coordinator. And this, this one's also kind of tough because is it his fault? Is it the injuries? Stafford gets hurt. They had no offensive line. They had the worst yards per game of any team in 2022. We all know how badly the Rams cratered then. And it just kind of feels like it, it wasn't necessarily his fault, but he was also kind of part of that, you know, part of that for the ride. Um, then he goes back to Kentucky. Will Levis isn't there anymore. I, I don't have the quarterback's name in front of me. Um, he had a decent season in his first year as a starter. Kentucky didn't do as well as they did back in 2021 when Cohen was there initially. So he's had success there. You're right. He wasn't necessarily like calling plays unless it was at the college level. And I just, I don't know, I'm a little leery about putting a college offensive coordinator into the NFL, um, especially for his first year 
or first main year calling plays, I guess. I know he's been, you know, working with McVay and everything. He does have, he could put in his resume that he helped develop with Levis um, for that one year. Would have been nice to kind of see him do it a second year before he went into the draft. Uh, but I, st- he's a distant third for me. I still think Kubiak and Waldron should be ahead of him. I'm just, there's a little too much uncertainty. Sounds like the Bears really like him though. So maybe he's at the top of their list. I wouldn't be like, again, I wouldn't be mad about it, but I'm I'm just a little nervous, I guess, if that makes sense, just with like the collegiate, how well that's going to translate over to the NFL. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. Like, I, I think, I think there's plenty of fair skepticism about college coaching and pros and vice versa. Um, you know, like it, I, yeah, I think you want someone who is a little more seasoned and it, it just like, in its own vacuum, it's kind of weird that he just bounced from Kentucky to LA back and yeah. forth for like five years. Um, I'm not saying anything like nefarious about it, but it's just, I don't, I feel like even looking at most people's resumes, you don't see just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth multiple times over a half decade. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I it's it, like, if you're gonna, if we're gonna sort of put on our tinfoil hats, I think it's, I'll say mine is that it's weird that he bounced back and forth a bunch of times. Like, I know that that's the nature of coaching, but there's something, if, if I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, there's something to be said about that pattern on a resume like that. That seems odd to me for whatever reason. Um, it's, it's, but it's ultimately it's more of the same where it's just sort of a guy that you think probably could have a high ceiling and maybe as a dad that he's a trivia question at the end of, the next three years like oh when the bears hired him so i yeah like i think i'm on the same page with you guys where there are a couple more that i would prefer um you know i i like the fact that to be sort of a meathead here that he's young and like that that i like my ocs to be young and, and be able to bond with young quarterbacks in a way that i don't think you know, certain OCs who are 55 years old maybe necessarily can. Like, there, there are t- like there are coaches. Yeah, there you go. Um, so this is the guy that's hanging out with the, the, the youths of the day. Um, yeah, see, exactly. He looks way more like he would know what references Caleb Williams is. He, he actually kind of looks like a long lost brother of yours a little bit. A little. Yeah, I could. A little. I could see it. With the, with the, like, he was the one that got the be- the beard genetics. Um, yeah. I missed out on those. <laughs> Um, but like, if we're going to do things that don't really matter, I think one of them is the ability to relate to the players. And I think that that is an important thing that sort of gets under discussed is that you can be the smartest guy in the room. And if you are a huge jerk, no one's going to listen to you. And, and, and that's not to say that, you know, Greg Olson's a jerk, but I think it doesn't hurt when, you know, your, your quarterback's coach, or your OC can relate on a personal level to a young quarterback, especially one making the transition to the NFL like that. There are, there are good things about that that don't show up on, you know, the all 22, so to speak. So in that sense, I think that his experience with young kids around Caleb Williams age would be helpful. Um, But like you said, there are, there are, you know, Clint Kubiak's 36, which is crazy, first of all, which to, to even think about. Um, and he has more experience. So it's not it's not the end-all be-all, but if you're going to look at pros, I think having familiarity with the modern college player is not a bad thing. Yeah, and I guess it does help if you do get somebody – if you do get Caleb Williams, you have someone who has experience in both pro and college and say, well, I can do this, I can adapt to this, and I can work mm-hmm. with you specifically to make that better. Um, 
it, you know, so part of it, while it makes me nervous a little bit, on the other hand, if they choose to go that route, it does make me a little bit, um, it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that somebody can kind of transition potentially, because you know how it is like rookie quarterbacks come in, they're learning a pro style system, or, you know, we know how Lincoln Riley's system is very, um, you know, it's that spread offense. So somebody to kind of bridge the gap would be pretty ideal. Um, the other thing I'll say is that Kentucky's offense, when he was there, I believe this is in 2021, they were like a top 45 offense. So in the, in FBS, so that's not bad. That's not great, but it's kind of like, it's okay. Yeah. There were a couple times in which I was just kind of looking through their season. Uh, I know they had one game, they scored 13 points, another game where they only scored 14 points. Um, seeing some of the, the criticisms from Kentucky fans was, Hey, if we had scored a few more points, we would have been, you know, we would, we would have been in a better place. Not exactly something that I want to hear from, from my new bears offensive coordinator, (laughs) but again, we don't, we don't have, have top choice here. Um, I don't know, boys. I just, just overall, I think we've kind of made our, our our points. No cam is, was there one of the, the four that, that stood out to you more than the others? Stood out. No. Um, I think I'm probably given the choice, probably Kubiak. Um, but no, I mean, like, I I think it it sounds like a lazy cop out, but like these guys are all kind of shades of each other. And these are, and yeah, I'm sure smarter people than me could go say, actually he has his X receiver do this and he has his, you know, blocking schemes this way. And like, yeah, I can't tell you that sort of difference, but at the end of the day, these are all, there's a, there's an obvious mold. And, and I think it's the Bears are sort of tipping their cards here by showing with these candidates in terms of what they're looking for. And you're, it gives you the ability to kind of forecast what you're going to get to an 80% degree. Um, and it's fine. Like it's, you know, like we said, it's the, the players are going to elevate this offense regardless of who's at the helm. And I know that's easier said than believed because of what Luke Getzey just did. But if Caleb Williams or Drake May comes in and is just a star, then the OC is going to be a star. And if Justin Fields progresses and becomes a, you know, a top 10 QB in terms of the metrics that, you know, people use for QBs nowadays, um, then the OC will be a star. And that's how that's going to be. I don't think anyone's going to come in and say the OC changed this offense because uh, I don't see any of those candidates changing the way the NFL is run because they got their hands on, you know, the Bears offense. Brendan, Cam, anything that we missed, anything that we missed that you want to talk about before we get the shout outs and get out of here? How about the Packers and Lions just, you know, <laughs> going to the divisional round? NFC North, baby. So for the Bears, bad, but, uh, yeah. yeah. That, so so the Bears now hold the distinction of the longest drought of a playoff victory in the entire NFC North. That 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 that, that didn't sit well with me. I, I was cheering. I literally was cheering for the Lions. I want the Lions to do well. I'll never cheer for the Packers. Right? I'm just born and born and bred a Bears fan. It's impossible for me. But but just Lion fans, you know, especially thinking about our our guys over the roar of the Lions. Just like they have suffered through. They're in the UK. So they're like they're they're never been born into that, right? And they're they've been suffering for forever. And so to you know have them get a win was was cool. But uh yeah, I, I'm 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 excited to hopefully watch the the Packers get steamrolled by the 49ers, ho- hopefully, because man, did they look good against the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys just weren't prepared for that at all. <laughs> at all. Yeah. 
um, that take the North quote is just, it, it is just, I think about it all the time. And it is, I don't even blame Polls for saying it. Like, I honestly don't. Like, everyone's like, oh, you should have said that. Like, no, of course he should have said that. Like, that's that's what you want your GM to come out and say. But like, boy, oh boy, is that aging in a very specific way. Yeah, but I mean, Cam, I rem- I watched, like, if you watch it back, and I give Ryan Poles a ton of credit because I think he's grown in his confidence so much. But yeah. when he said that and he's just like, Last thing, we're we're gonna take the north and never get it back. Like he's like, yeah, I believe what I'm saying, yeah. right? Do you guys? <laughs> like it was very just, I don't know. Like you could tell it. It just felt like in that moment he was he felt like he was out over his skis, and I'm oh, just yeah. like, yeah, I just shouldn't have said that because it didn't even come out great. But he's gotten a lot there, better. There was definitely a note from the marketing head of the Bears being like, remember to say take the north and never give it back at the end, and he was like. Reading is like, oh shoot, I have to say this. Like, and we're gonna take the north <laughs> and never give it back. Uh, and it, it, I think like he probably walked off the stage and was just like, you, you, you know, he just sat with it and was like, I am going to regret that so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you got an uphill battle, dude. I mean, just Matt Lafleur. I hate how good when he was hired it was like the the titans offensive coordinator you really that guy like why and now just going oh because green bay is a functional organization that knows what they're doing and saw in him a really good coach that was gonna make the best out of his players and just hurts hurts your heart you know knowing how good they are yeah all right boys it's time to get out of here this has been a fun episode so let's get to shout outs uh brendan cam do you guys have any shout outs to give before we get out of here um, I don't have any on Twitter. I wasn't prepared. I apologize. But uh, my one goes out to uh, my friend Lauren and her entire family. Um, her father uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, a week and a half ago. Um, right after the, uh, I think the last game. So, sorry, backtrack. He was a huge Lions fan. Huge, huge Lions fan. And um, one of the last games he saw was when they won the division title. He was, you know, really happy about it. Um, You know, Lauren shared like a photo with me of he had this like back scratcher with the Lions football that he would celebrate with. Um, And, and, you know, it was kind of at the point where, um, you know, the time was coming, unfortunately. So um, I'm just, you know, obviously just devastated for her family, but I'm also really happy for them because they all came together and were able to celebrate the Lions victory um, in his honor. And I think that was just really special. And so as soon as like that happened, I'm like, I got to root for the Lions now. Cause like got to do it for, you know, for my friends and um, just super I, like, you know, it's, it's a terrible, you know, situation, but you know, some happiness came out of it with that victory yesterday. So I'm really happy for them. That's awesome. Cam, what about you? We're going to ask you on a, on a regular basis. Since uh, just just a quick programming note, so everyone knows, Cam will not be with us for every episode. But he, Bill Hill, you're kind of our our, our bench guy, right? Our, our you're going to be with yeah. us on a somewhat regular basis, and so we, mm-hmm. we're thrilled about that. So every time you are here, we're going to ask you any shout outs that you'd like to give. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy that you know when you turn on a baseball game and you see the lineup, you're like, oh, he's playing second base. Like, I, I don't need to watch this tonight. Like, um, I'm, I'm when Eloy doesn't play, I'm 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 his backup. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely will have some real shoutouts at some point, but today I think my shoutouts are to you guys uh, for having me on here and letting me into what you guys have going here. Like, it's I don't talk 
sports outside of my professional life very often. Like I don't sit around and like at bars and talk sports and people. So I, I don't actually weirdly enough for being in sports, I don't have a lot of that in my day-to-day conversation. So it's fun to just sit down and chat football with, with some buddies for an hour and seven minutes here. And um, so shout out to you both and shout out to everyone associated with the Bear Down podcast that I'm forgetting. You guys have been nothing but great and hospitable and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm, I'm stoked to sort of see where this goes. That's awesome. Well, Cam, we are very, very excited to have you at the Bear Down Chicago podcast. Um, I just want to do a quick one. Shout out to JJ Stankovitz, who is a mutual friend of ours. And just JJ is an absolutely wonderful guy. And he and I were just talking about how excited we are that you are going to be part of this whole thing. And so so that's really cool. I want to give a shout out to Cam for joining the crew. So that part is awesome. I want to give another shout out to my friends at Roar of the Lions. Truly, guys, I am actually happy for you. We'll go back to uh, to talking shit. Uh, a little bit later on, but but for right now, just uh, enjoy it. You guys deserve it very, very much so. And the last one goes out to uh, Ant uh, at the um, Irish Bear Show, is a friend of the pod, very, very good friend of mine, and just going through a pretty difficult time, and I'm not going to share any details because it's not, it's not mine to share, uh, but just so you know that he needs uh, some love and support right now. So Ant, we are sending it your way. For all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago Podcast, thank you so much. You can hit like, you can hit subscribe. You can share with a friend anything. uh, Hit us with a five-star review that can help to widen our audience. We would appreciate it greatly. We know you guys can get your Bears content anywhere and you have chosen to hang out with us and that does not get lost on us. We are very, very thankful for all of you. So for Cam Ellis, Brennan Chagru, Logan Bradley, Jack Wright, and Patrick Sheldon, I am Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so very much. And as always, Bear Down, Chicago.